0: Let's pray. Just before we begin, that God will speak to us this morning. You find Colossians chapter three, verse one. Father, this pray, Lord, as we're about to begin this second week, Lord, of the asphalt, the certainty, Father God, of what your gospel means, the certainty, Father God, of what it means to be rooted in Christ Jesus, Lord. And Father, I just pray now that you speak through me through this word. I pray I add nothing to it, Father, but that your voice speak through me, Lord, and that your voice be heard in this room today. Father, we thank you that we are a church that wants to preach your word. We thank you that we are a church that wants to stand upon your word. And we thank you, Father God, that the only authority that we have is your word. So, Father, speak to us, we pray, in the name of Jesus. So, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. And says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth." For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On the account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. And you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. So again, we're seeing here passage... That clearly is similar to what Ezekiel was preaching in his day and what we preach today. That we who are in Christ are to put off our old selves. And the reality of it is, we looked at last week, sometimes a lot of Christians, predominantly maybe people in this room, find themselves freed from the captivity and the enslavement of Egypt. And yet you're still struggling in the bondage of the things that you once did. Many people, whenever you say to them, are you born again, are you saved? They go, "Yeah, I'm saved. And you can ask them, well, what are you saved from? Well, I'm saved from eternity in hell. That's not sufficient. You're meant to be saved from sexual morality. You're meant to be saved from purity. You're meant to be saved from anger, malice, slander, obscene talk. Are you saved from those things this morning? Can you have confidence in the fact that I am saved I have been set free. I no longer am walking in a manner of slander. I'm saved from slander. I don't slander. I'm saved from malicious talk. Obscene talk that comes out of my mouth. I'm saved from it. Not by what I've done, but because I'm in Christ. I'm saved from all the things he talks about there. From the sexual impurity, passion, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. I'm even saved from thinking of the things that are on earth. Why is it that you find it so hard sometimes to talk to somebody in the world because you have nothing to do with what is of the world because you're saved from things of the world? I'm not interested in your TV programs. I'm not interested in your sport. My mind is fixed upon what is in the heavenlies. Do we see that today? But yet we ask ourselves, how many people, if we knew each other's hearts, struggle with these very things? If you then have been raised with Christ, if you have been raised, dumped in this tank, buried with Christ, raised to newness in life, you believe, you repented, you received the gift of the Holy Spirit, you've been given a new heart, you've been given a new mind, why is it then that we're struggling as born again believers, saved from these things through the covenant that God has made through his prophets this very day with these things? We looked at last week. But there's grace, Gary. We know there's grace. But there's people here today who have struggled and fought and pleaded and begged God Almighty to take these things from them and they're not leaving. Why? Why is it that so many Christians struggle with slander? Ask yourself, have you talked to anybody this week? Because you're meant to be saved from that. For had time we could go over to look at the beginnings of chapter 2. And it's all about things of the flesh. And at the end of chapter 2 down towards 23 it says. But they are of no value stopping the indulgence of flesh. He talks about all these religious things. He talks about food you shouldn't eat. Clothes you should wear. This that you should do. That that you should do. And he said it's all workings of man and flesh. It does nothing to stop you indulging in your flesh. So therefore, is that us this morning? Are we saved from these things? Amongst others. But now you must put away. It's a command. We who are born again, we who are followers of Christ, we must put away anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth, all the other ones that are above, not even to lie. Christians should not be lying to one another. Christians should not be slandering one another or anybody else. Christians should not be struggling with lust of the flesh. And immediately, if you struggle with any of these things, the devil comes in and wants to hit you like a sledgehammer and goes, uh-huh, I told you you weren't saved. But the reality we won't look at is, what is the ash for lie of this here? What is the certainty that I can know about the bondage that I find myself in? How do I get set free? And it says it in verse 10. Having put on the new self which is is being renewed in knowledge. Being renewed in knowledge. Most of us struggle with the, the enslavement of Egypt because we're not being renewed in the knowledge that we don't have to be. We've been told and sold a bit of goods. It does not matter what you did before you come to Christ. As long as you say a prayer and that you tick a box or raise your hand, that's it, you're born again, you're saved. We don't see that in here. What we see is somebody realising... That they deserve hell because they're a sinner. They deserve hell because they're wretched. They deserve hell because there's nothing that we can muster before a holy almighty God. Apart from falling on our knees in faith of the atonement of the cross. And relying and saying, I can't change me God, you change me. That's Christianity. Religion is say a prayer, try to stop drinking, try to stop smoking, try to stop saying a curse word and live in a life filled with all the things that we've just read. And you're covered and you're going to heaven. That's not what is true. That's not the knowledge of what these scriptures say. That's not what we build our life upon. James talks about, take a right in your Bible to the book of James in chapter 1. chapter 1 verse 21 and he says therefore after hearing the the, the testing of our faith and the truth of our faith and what knowledge is through our faith he says in verse 21 therefore put away all filthiness rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word what is the implanted word? it is the Holy Spirit that is within us the knowledge that we get through hearing God's word and God says I'm going to write it on your heart that's how you're going to be changed, through the implanted word, which is able to deceive your souls. Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. There's people that are going to go to church all their lives, they're going to hear sermon after sermon, they're going to look nice and pretty like a whitewashed tomb, but inwardly they are rotten and decaying because of their thoughts. Yes, you might not have committed adultery on your wife or your husband, if you have looked at another person with a lustful thought, you're an adulterer and you're going to hell for it. If you've hated somebody or not forgiven somebody, you're a murderer, Jesus says. It says, if you read Revelation, that in the list of all the things that we would associate with someone who's hell us, it says, and all liars. So what do we, we do? We have to receive what is implanted in us. And it says in verse 23, For if anyone is a hero of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and once again forgets who he is. What he looks like. That's the problem of Christianity today. We look at this. We see what we're meant to be. We see the authority of Jesus Christ. We see grace. We see the atonement of our sin. And we also see the new heart and the new nature that is given to us through the Holy Spirit. And we forget it and walk away and go once again into self-works. Once again into religion. And we forget our true identity. In fact, we've been told by other Christians, it's okay to do this. It's okay to have that. It's okay to be struggling with that. It's It's not okay. Because you have victory over it. How many of us are looking at this word and saying, this is true for me. Are you covered by grace? Yes. But could we be more free? Yes. We're meant to be able. It would not be in here saying, put to death, therefore. Because what did Ezekiel do? We looked at last week. The flesh came on the bones. We were once dead in our trespasses. We once walked in darkness. And if you've received the gift of the Holy Spirit, you are a new creation, born again. Struggling towards sanctification? Yes. process. Yes, but how many of us are eating the meat of the word and applying it through the Holy Spirit? How many of us, whenever you look at yourself in the mirror, whenever you're struggling with the temptation, walk into a house, walk into your car, look at the mirror and go, God made a covenant with you. He said he would change you. He said he would give you a new heart. He said he would work from you from the inside out. You are not your old self. You do not have to give in to the flesh. You are transformed. Or do we say... Tough. And then you get somebody around you who's a Christian and he's struggling with the same thing, and you justify. And we're continually going back around sinning, turning to the cross, sinning, turning to the cross, sinning, turning to the cross. That is the gospel, yes, but it's the bare bones of it. Where is the sinning turned to the cross, receiving the implanted word through the knowledge and saying, I have victory over it. In fact, in Colossians it says that they, this he set aside, nailing to the cross. He ashamed the rulers and the authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Who's him? Jesus. Triumphing over the devil, you have authority over the devil to crush his head and every trial and temptation that's in your life. We have that authority. We have victory in it. We're set free from Egypt. We no longer have to have the chains. He can shake the chains. He can pull you. He can snag you. You get accountability. Is that important? Yes. You belong to church? Yes. But you got to get into the word and say, this says in the word if it is true or God, you're a liar. You're either a liar or I'm not being changed. Or we're going to start fighting and wrestling in prayer. And remembering our identity and saying, I am not Gary Brown of last year, last week, 10 years ago, praise God. I'm heading towards full sanctification, but I'm no longer going to be in this bondage of Egypt and accepting it accepting the fact that you struggle with one of these things, accepting the fact, well, that's just my thorn in my flesh. Or that, no, it's not. You have victory over it. The thorn in your flesh will be the memory of it that brings you to praise God and brings you to humbleness and brings you to realize that how did you save me, God, when I am so wretched? Only you could change me. I heard an amazing testimony this week from... Nicky Cruz, if you've ever known the story of the cross and the switchblade and David Wilterson went in, and he, pre- he preached that very thing on him. Nicky Cruz is telling the testimony. He said he got down on his knees in the midst of that gang, in the midst of everything, and he started to pray out loud, holding on to Nikki Cruz's belt buckle onto his waist and said, God, only you can change Nicky. There's nothing of the flesh that will change him. There's not cleverly devised myths or schemes or programs or nothing. Nothing will change me or you apart from the Holy Spirit. It's the gift. Covenant made. Do we remember that when we look at ourselves in the mirror? Or do you remember the fact that that's what you're going to struggle with the rest of your life? The devil does not want you to hear what is the knowledge of his word. People who were born set free again. You're not your old self. Even the knowledge of that... Do you have the knowledge that the sins that you committed yesterday are washed whiter than snow? They're forgotten about. They're gone. It's over. New day, new joy, new triumphs. Once again turning to the word and saying, what is my new self? I put it on. The atonement of sin, past, present and future. Whilst I was still a sinner, God called me. While I'm still a sinner, God sustains me. While I'm still a sinner, he gives me a new heart. While I'm working that new heart out, he's covering me in grace. Do I have victory? Yes. Do we believe that? Because that's the fullness, lockdown, security that I don't care what it is that you struggle with, you can be set free. My God and your God can set you free. Man can do nothing. You cannot set yourself free. You can't even get up in the morning to pray. You've got to pray for that. You walk into the mirror before you go to sleep and you say to yourself, before you walk out of the bathroom after brushing your teeth and look in the mirror and go, you need God tomorrow morning. Don't forget it. Don't forget what you look like. Don't forget it's him that brought you here. Don't forget that it's him that sustains you. Don't forget that you're covered in the blood of Jesus Christ and that you long to have a relationship with him. Otherwise, what have we told people? You're saved and going to heaven. Why? Because I don't want to go to hell. No. Because I want to be with my creator. I want a relationship with him. I want to come into the presence of him. I want him to change me. I want this filthy fleshly corpse that I walk around in to be gone. I want a new body. I want to dwell with my brothers and sisters. I want to come away from this world because it doesn't satisfy. That's why he says, set your minds in the things that are above. How do you do that when your mind's consumed with the things of the world? Set your minds on things that are above. You're changed. Heaven's coming. What are you leaving on this world, on this earth, apart from hopefully the pointing to the glory of Jesus Christ and that everything here is a vapour, it's rust and dust and it's gone? Those are all knowledgeable truths. When hard times come, when trials come, well, what do you expect whenever you're going to declare war against the devil? But if you walk into that room and you look at yourself and you command the Holy Spirit through the authority of Jesus Christ to change you, and you command the devil to flee by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm not given into you anymore because I'm new. That's what he's saying here. That's what James is talking about. Turn to Hebrews, real quick. Hebrews chapter 8. And then again, we have the same promise that's been given to us through what we looked at last week through the book of Ezekiel and we're getting it here through a quote from Jeremiah and it's in chapter 8 verse 8 and says for he finds fault with them when he says behold the days are coming declares the Lord when I not you I being God will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel who's the house of Israel us we are the true Israel And with the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with the fathers on the day when I took them from the land out of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant. And so I I, uh, showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds I will write on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people and they shall not teach each one his neighbour and each one his neighbour saying know the Lord for they shall all know me for the least of them to the greatest for I will be merciful towards their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more God does not remember your sins but you do God is not putting guilt on you anymore. You're putting guilt on yourself. God's not saying that the old self is who you are. He has commanded us that we are a new person, a new covenant, and we're in that covenant. That's why we take of the bread and of the wine that represents us as a bride. What does it mean to be the bride of Christ? It means I'm divorced from the world. I'm not married to the world anymore. I'm divorced from slander, I'm divorced from malice, I'm divorced from lust, I'm divorced from greed stealing all the things of the flesh, I have divorced them and I am the true bride of Christ why? by the authority of his new covenant what makes us, we just sang it what makes me white as snow nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ that's what I boast in What changes you from the inside out? Not even Bible study because there is heathens today, hell bound and loving it that know every single Greek and Hebrew meaning of the word in this Bible. What's written on your heart today? What identity do you have? Is it a child of God? Is it sanctified, born again, raised to newness in life? Does someone come to you and say to you, listen I remember what you used to be. You go praise God, yes And I remember too, but it was nailed to the cross whenever I divorced the world. Well, I remember what you did two years after you became saved. And yes, I listened to the lies of the devil that told me that I wasn't fully free and fully sanctified. What did you bring out of Egypt with you to the new promised land? What did you lift up out of the land that you were set free from? What are you holding on to that's chaining you and bondaging you back to your old self? Well, it's, it's in my family to be an alcoholic. No, it's not. Because you're born again, you're in Christ's family. It's in my nature to be angry. No, it's not. You're born again and you're now part of the nature of Christ. So anger is no longer an issue. Get behind me, Satan, you liar. I am born again. My new nature is I'm not a liar. And every time that you want me to lie, I'm going to pray through the Holy Spirit Make your new commandment, your new covenant alive in me and change this heart of flesh out of a heart of stone. Change me from the inside out. Coming to midweek isn't going to do that. Coming here this morning isn't going to do that. What does it is your belief and your faith that the word of God is true and that God is not a liar. I've run out of time already. Hence, we're coming back tonight. Come back tonight, and we're going to hear more. But we're going to hear about how the church body works through this new covenant. We heard about it last week. You are a valley of dry bones, but you were a valley of dry bones. You have flesh on your bones, but if you do not have the breath of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit working within inside you, you cannot conquer. You cannot have victory because you're still dead. You might look like, that's what happened, Ezekiel. He saw the bodies, they looked like they were alive, but they weren't moving. They looked like they they were the real thing, but they did not have the breath of God Almighty in them. I look around here then, I don't know who has the breath of God, but you know. And if you don't have it, then let today be the first day that you actually believe and repent and say, I want to go up into this tank and I want to get submerged and let every single thing that was in my old nature be represented through the water of baptism. I'm going to come up and I'm going to receive the covenant and the promise of God who made the covenant against himself. I swore by myself that I will give you a new nature. I will set you free from whatever it is that has a hold of you. I will make you redeemed people. Yes, walking in the fullness of grace. Yes, patiently waiting for you to get rid of the thorns and the thistles of your heart. But know this it is a process that we should now be teachers of the word, but we're still coming back for spiritual milk and once again hearing the oracles of God told us again, and we're saved 20 years. We should be free radically different people divorced from the world and letting them see outside that nothing saves you apart from the Holy Spirit, the gift that's given to you by God that transforms you I'm not interested in the things that you used to be interested in. If your friends think you're crazy, let them think you're crazy because it's true. And you get on your knees and you pray for them that they'll be changed and that they'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and that they'll be sanctified and set free. That's the gospel. They would say that, Gary, it might put people off. If you do not love God Almighty more than anything else in this world, more than your wife, husband, daughter, son, I don't care, your job, whatever it is, you know what you are? An idolater. That's what the gospel says. You're an idolater. Jesus said to himself, anybody who does not love me more are not fit to be my disciple. You can't love God more unless he gives that to you. Stop trying in the flesh and start praying in the spirit. That's why we meet together men to pray. It shows what is, what did you do last week, two weeks ago that you couldn't come to the prayer. Ask yourself that. What was more important? Because family can't be more important Because if your wife loves you, she's going to say you need to get out and get to that prayer meeting. And you need to get on your knees individually as well. And you need to seek the Holy Spirit because you're meant to be the leader of this house. You're responsible for my salvation, the Bible says. Get to that meeting. Pray. Fast. Hold to the word of truth. Get other men around you who want to do the same. Women likewise. And we do it on a Sunday and we do it on a Wednesday and we do it in our own individual prayer lockers. We pray for one another and say I want the knowledge to be true. Take a mirror this week and put it somewhere. Every time you get in the car look in the rearview mirror and write on it if you have to what your problem is. Wipe it off before the other person gets in the car if you need to. But write it on the mirror. I'm not that. I'm born again, sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit. Heaven bound, covered in grace. I'm not an Egyptian. Write that on your mirror. I'm not an Egyptian. I once made mud bricks. I once worked for Pharaoh. I once did all the things that I used to do. But I walked through the waters of baptism, represented through them, going through the Red Sea. And I came out on the other end, and God gave me His commandments, not through stone tablets, but on your stone heart that turned to flesh. If there's any other gospel you've heard, that's not it. This is it. You might have said a prayer when you were 7, 8, 12, 15 or 22 but unless this is evident in your life you're not born again. Unless you're striving against the devil wrestling against the principalities of the earth. You don't wrestle against flesh and blood. That's not how you dress this morning. Suit or not suit. It's about what's in here. And if you don't have that you can have it this morning. It's a free gift. God calls you to himself. He gives you a free gift of a new nature and a new self And the old is gone and passed away. How do I know it? Because I struggle with many things, even when I got saved. And it's not until I got this full realization of this through the Holy Spirit that I started to kill and destroy everything else in my life. Rather than the devil coming and killing me and destroying me. And making me once again come in here and cry on my knees saying, Why God? Why? Why hasn't that happened? And he says, Because you're doing it in flesh. Why hasn't it happened because you love the world? Why hasn't it happened because you don't want me more? I'm a treasure in a field, Gary. You haven't sold everything yet. You haven't bought into me yet. You haven't took the free gift that I've given you yet. You're striving in flesh. You're striving in religion. You're striving in man-made things of the world. You want to have a revival, Norma? It doesn't come from fancy bands or nice facilities or good coffee. It comes from prayer and seeking the Holy Spirit to fall on every single person and convict them of their sin. How do you grow a church? Throw every church planting book out. How do you grow a church? Get a group of people on their knees. They might have to pray for 20 years, but when you get the church, it's authentic. Not filled with goats and sheep, or sorry, filled with goats, but filled with sheep. That's the gospel. Isn't it? Do we believe it this morning? Amen. Amen is right. That's the truth of the gospel. We have to cling to, hold to. Write it on your mirror this week. Come back tonight. And let's hear what else God has to say. It's already 12 o'clock. Stand together. We'll pray. And we'll come together to worship.